0: Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain.
1: Mike Florio.
0: He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet.
1: NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late. I was talking to
2: Robert Kraft. Pro football talk. I wouldn't listen to some of those people out there, especially guys like Mike Florio. Mike Florio with Bernstein Holmes and Raheem on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 the score. Talk NFL with Mike Florio. He's on Twitter at Pro Football Talk. He's on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. The breaking news, Mike, is that Tua Tagovailoa still not cleared for football activity will not start in the wild card game. Let's look short term, long term, and ramifications of what was a. A, a, a appropriately controversial handling that may border on malpractice?
1: Well, yeah, we know we had at least one other concussion this year, possibly two. And this most recent one happened. I mean, yeah, this would be number three or number two at a minimum. Sorry, I got myself sideways there. This one happened during the game. Nobody saw it. They didn't notice it until the next day. The coaches saw something on film. They started talking to him. They realized there was an issue. And now here we are 17 days after he suffered that concussion, and he's so far away from even potentially being cleared to play that they just pulled the plug on the whole process. Now, I think there are bigger issues at play here. There's been some talk that – there's possibly an organizational decision that he's just not going to play. The broader NFL football machine after dealing with the DeMar Hamlin situation last week, which caused a lot of concern and worry for the long-term future of football. If you put Tua Tagovailoa back out there and he has another head injury, third or fourth of the year, that's not good for him. That's not good for anybody. And I really do think we're we're reaching a point where it's going to be very difficult for him, number one, to get medical clearance to play at all, and number two, to find a team that is willing to even let him try to play. Whether it's You're too short. You're too slow. You're not strong enough. You can't jump high enough. You don't have ball skills. If you're a defensive back or a receiver, you can't block well enough. There are always things to disqualify a guy from playing in the NFL, and it could just be that Tuatonga Bailoa, number one, isn't big enough, and number two, not being big enough, he's unable to protect himself from having his head hit the ground on multiple occasions, and football just decides we can't have this constant concussion cloud looming over one player.
3: So if you're the Dolphins and you don't have a number one pick because you forfeited one and then you traded the other, are you starting to look for a quarterback and how in the world would you do it?
1: Well, there will be plenty of free agents available this year. I think the quarterback carousel for 2023 will be as active as we've ever seen it. And remember last year, the guy they wanted and the guy that wanted them was Tom Brady. Now, what has changed over the course of the past year? They got busted for tampering. They had to give up a first-round pick for it. I doubt that they would fire Mike McDaniel and bring in Sean Payton, but Tom Brady's going to be free and clear. They wouldn't have anything to get Sean Payton with. They they don't have a first-round pick. They gave up the one that they did have via trade, to the Broncos for Bradley Chubb, and they were stripped of a first-round pick, but Tom Brady cost nothing other than whatever you pay him by way of contract. So I think Brady would be in play. I think any veteran quarterback would be in play, and I think that's the next step in this, because let's assume, as I think we can, the Dolphins aren't going to beat the Bills in Orchard Park on Sunday. The game where DeMar Hamlin may be present, he was discharged from the hospital today, Skylar Thompson's going to be the quarterback most likely for the Dolphins, Assuming they lose that game, they're on to the offseason. The next question is, do they keep Tuatango Bailoa? And there's a good chance that they just don't. We thought they would move on from him after this year, possibly for performance reasons. They may be moving on from him for very different reasons.
4: It's just incredibly upsetting when you think that a lot of this could have been prevented had they not played him on Thursday night football after his, quote, spine injury, end quote.
1: Well, that's right, but I think it still is something that he would have to deal with at some point. And this is a situation where the courage that requires or that is required of players to go out onto that field and play. I mean, we we saw nine days ago how serious the outcome can be and whether it's an internal organ that's injured, whether it's your head, whether it's your neck, whether it's a broken bone, whatever it may be, Look what happened to Alex Smith with the badly broken bone and then the infection after that and almost, losing his life, or having the leg amputated. That courage has to have limits. You have to protect yourself. And I think the core problem with Tua, and you look at Drew Brees. Drew Brees wasn't a big guy. Russell Wilson wasn't a big guy. You never see them get ragdolled around the way Tua Tonga-Vailoa does. You have to get rid of the ball before they pull you and throw you down legally and your head whipsaws into the, into the ground and your head hits the ground and you get a concussion. The concussions he's had this year aren't from somebody hitting his helmet with their helmet or with a forearm. His concussions are from his own head hitting the ground when he was pulled down, and the physics just aren't on his side. So if if you're not going to play in a way that prevents those kinds of contacts between your head and the ground, you're not going to be able to play very long in the NFL because I just don't think, you know, and and this is the cynic in me. Uh, on, On one hand, it's kind of a blended sense here. On one hand, it's, it's good for football to protect players against themselves. On the other hand, I feel like the sport is protecting itself against players who would play, throwing caution to the wind, and gladly proceeding, even though they've had however many concussions and are willing to sustain however many more because they want to keep playing. At some point, the sport says, no, it's not good for you, and it's not good for us to have you continue to be the voice, the name, and the face of concussions.
2: Mike, how sought after a GM candidate is Bears assistant GM Ian Cunningham? And if he is indeed at the top of so many of these early lists, why did he need one year in Chicago doing what he's doing? Why wasn't he, uh, hadn't he already been plucked to take over a team from where he was in Philly?
1: Here's my hot take when it comes to how the NFL goes about hiring general managers, because there's a, a weird dynamic. And this is one of the reasons why I think Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, is continuing to deal with all the nuttiness in Indianapolis. You get one shot, however long it is, two years, 10 years, 15 years, very rarely does a GM get a second act. Now, Dave Gettleman did, John Dorsey did, but for the most part, you get one chance to be a GM in the NFL. And once you're out, you're forgotten. Thomas Dimitrov had ten great years with the Falcons, put a great team together, started by drafting Matt Ryan went to a Super Bowl. Now, they had a reputation for blowing leads both in Super Bowls and other games, but he had 10 solid years. His name never gets mentioned. And I just think that owners want some of them, maybe many of them, they want kind of a young, up-and-coming GM who will be deferential to the inclinations of ownership to meddle. And I think a lot of these owners like to meddle, but they want a GM who will run interference for them while they meddle. And I'm not saying that's what's happening in Chicago, but I think there are other places where it's happened where there's this guy that nobody's really heard of before, somebody who's been grinding at the mid levels of the sport, and then all of a sudden they're a GM candidate and they're hired. And I really do think it gives owners the ability to to put a spoon in the stew, whereas some of the more hardcore grizzled old school scouting types would tell them, get out of my office I have a job to do, and I'm going to do it, and you don't know how to do my job, and you paid me to do this job. Please don't meddle in my affairs. So that's my somewhat long-winded explanation as to why some of these folks that we wouldn't think would be at the top of the list, especially over accomplished GMs who are available, I think that's why some of them end up at the top of the list.
4: I will see you and raise you with a two-parter myself. First of all, we have an update on DeMar Hamlin that's coming within the hour. He's been discharged from Buffalo General Medical Center and the Gates Vascular Institute. He was admitted on Monday and after going through a series of tests on Tuesday, the team said that they've completed their tests and evaluations and he can be safely discharged to continue his rehabilitation at home. Something we love to hear. And it, it lets us look back a little bit at what's happened in the week since. Mike, what were your takeaways when you saw the report coming out from ESPN aiming at Troy Vincent in all of this and his role with the league?
1: Well, this one was something. And one of the first reactions that I had, and I heard this from somebody, was that it's it's convenient that ESPN didn't report on any of this until after they locked in the Cowboys-Buccaneers Monday Night Football playoff game because who knows what game they would have gotten maybe they wouldn't have gotten that one if they had poked the bear as notoriously as they did there is something odd and bizarre and awkward about ESPN reporting on ESPN and you know NFL Network constantly reports on the NFL the people who work for NFL Network are paid by the commissioner to cover the sport that they are paid by and we kind of are used to that and very rarely does anybody seem to be troubled by it, but it is kind of weird to see ESPN having a reporter report on ESPN and vouch for ESPN and quote John Perry, the rules analyst who could have come out at any point in the past week and said what he said in that article. You don't need an investigative reporter from ESPN to get to the bottom of it. If John Perry is going to say, and he's the rules analyst who said that he was told by someone in the league office that it's, it's going to, uh resume the game's gonna resume after a five minute warm up period. So it really is odd. And the whole thing traces to an unforced error by Troy Vincent to come out and draw this hard line in the sand that it's ridiculous and it's insensitive and it's inappropriate to have any conversation at all about resuming the game given the serious health situation that Tamar Hamlin was experiencing. And I agree with that once you know how serious it is. But the standard protocol is we're gonna play, no matter how bad the injury is whether it's a stretcher, a backboard, an ambulance, it happens fairly regularly in the NFL. Once every three or four weeks, the game is shut down for an extended period of time for a player to be properly stabilized and immobilized and taken away. That happens and they keep playing. So, I don't see a problem with acknowledging we were going to follow the standard protocol. That's where this thing went sideways. So the mere fact that this reporting was even necessary is odd to me, because why not come out and say from the get-go, yes, we were following our standard protocol until it became obvious that we shouldn't, period. And then it wouldn't become a thing that really does create a battle between ESPN and the NFL, and it puts Troy Vincent uh, in the spotlight for criticism for how he handled the situation.
3: What are you hearing about Lamar Jackson and his availability for this
1: weekend? I'll be stunned if he plays. And there's reporting from NFL Network that it's not looking good. Well, the guy hasn't practiced since December 4. Of course it's not looking good. And whether it's he's not 100% and there's no way he's going to risk his health without long-term financial security, or he is 100%, and why would I go back out there and get myself injured again when I'm so close to finishing my – rookie contract. I don't have a problem with a guy protecting himself this close to the end. When he believes he has earned a contract that he can't get from the team, that's where business considerations overcome the competitive short-term reality. And uh, again, whether it's because he's not completely healthy or whether it's because he's healthy and he doesn't want to take any further risks given where things currently stand, it doesn't surprise me. And I think the Ravens have a mess on their hands. Although, I really do think that, that at this point, I I just have a sense that they're not going to use the exclusive franchise tag. I think they're going to use the non-exclusive tag, which opens Lamar Jackson up to being able to go negotiate with other teams, visit other teams. If somebody signs him to an off-sheet and the Ravens don't match, they get two first-round picks, or they could just trade him from under that tag. I have a feeling that's the direction this is going to go. And we talked about Tua Tonga-Vailoa earlier. You know, to the extent that that the Dolphins don't have a lot of trade assets, but if they could cobble something together, there's been a sense that Lamar Jackson would like to play for his hometown team at, uh, team at some point.
2: Did the Roquan Smith contract have any domino effect on some of these decisions?
1: Well, I, it, it just it sets the market for defensive players, and, you know, it's always good to get it done sooner rather than later and not play games. And,. Um, but, you know, you, hey, Roquan Smith got a deal done without an agent, and uh, that's encouraging for the Ravens. But I think that when it comes to Lamar Jackson, they are are so stuck at square one that they've abandoned any hope of ever ne- negotiating a long-term deal with him. He's going to have to undergo a major change in how he views the market, how he views – hit the dynamics associated with him, and he's going to have to give up his desire to get a five-year fully guaranteed contract. That Deshaun Watson deal, I think, is what made everything go sideways for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson.
3: What do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers?
1: I think he'll be back. You know why? He's going to make $60 million fully guaranteed. And I don't know what else he has up his sleeve, but I don't think anything else that he could do would pay him $60 million. And I think once he sits down and thinks about it, and it shouldn't be all about money but it's $60 million. That's a hell of a lot of money to walk away from. And he really does hold all the cards here. He's got the, the Packers over a barrel. They can't cut him. They can't trade him unless he's willing to be traded because who's going to take on that $60 million unless he wants to play for that team? I think he comes back. I think he plays one more year. He makes his $60 million and I think he walks away after 2023. And the fact that he's got a couple of good young receivers who came along better late than never – that may encourage him to give it one more run in Green Bay before he calls it quits.
4: I think it would be hilarious if he just did nothing. But that's just me.
1: Oh, hey, he walked off the field like it was his last time. He did. And, and you know, he, he didn't want to give Jameson Williams his jersey. He, I'm going to hold on to this when he said. but But even if you you haven't made your decision, there's, there's a chance you're not going to play. So you have to view it as this may be my last time, even if there's a chance that you come back. But that, that $60 million would be one hell of a magnet for the vast majority of people in the world who are of sound mind. That is 60 million bucks to do for one more year something that you have shown over and over again you can do at a very high level.
3: Mike, we always appreciate the information. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great week. Thanks, Mike. You too. That is Mike Florio. And when we oh, com- Wait, wait, real quick. By the way, yes. th- so the Players Association named All Pros. Mm-hmm. Roquan was one of them. He, he was right there with Fred Warner. And All Pro is f- the best at the position. Like, not like where it's like, oh, it's the best no matter what conference. So, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Jacobs, Kyle Juszczyk, Justin Jefferson, and Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Trent Williams, uh, Joel Batonio, Jason Kelsey, your guy, Zach Martin, Lane Johnson, our guy. Wait, so that's three Eagles? Mm-hmm. On the line. <laughs>
4: pretty good line wow they
3: got going on over wow. there three, look what
4: happens when your quarterback plays behind a line like that three of the
2: best at their position in the in the league at the same time on the same line
3: that's crazy
4: and lane is injured
3: nick bosa miles garrett as your edge rushers chris jones and aaron donnell as your interior lineman dexter lawrence as your nose off ball linebackers fred warner roquan smith Cornerbacks Patrick Sertan and Darius Slay, our guy Darius Slay, mm-hmm. Minka F- Fitzpatrick as the free safety, Derwin James as the strong safety, Cordero Patterson as the kick returner, Cavante Turpin as the punt returner, Jeremy Reeves, Justin Hardy as scores uh, core special teamers, Jason Myers the kicker, Tommy Townsend as the punter, Morgan Cox is the long snapper. They're your players' associations, all pros. No Bears,
4: amazing team. <laughs> yeah, no, Trenton Gill,
3: no. What a bummer. I mean, you know, he was good.
2: Yeah, he, I thought he was very good. And, know, and he had the can... Bears' only unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Damn this year. right.
4: And you know what? I don't even care because he was that good. Have it, Trenton Gill. You deserve that call.
2: He and his terrible towel. They're falling on the wrong side of NFL law. So when we come back, there's uh, some stadium stuff we need to get to in light of the finally this the 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 long awaited debunking of the ridiculous video that came out. Also, remind me, they have now posted what the actual skills competition line items are for the Pro Bowl. Weekend. Oh, no, it's hilarious. All
4: right. Great. Stand Are they going to do like the cup game? Sit down. It's fight, fight, fight.
2: It's, it's going to be awesome.
3: Red light, green light. Like, look I, at your friend. I,
2: I, I want to watch some of this stuff. It's, it's, it, I love that they got silly with it.
3: All right, good. Snacks here on The Score.
2: Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Man, Bernstein and Holmes, best show in radio. I love it, boys. Middays 10-2 to 2, on 670 The Score.
1: Assembly the
3: best. Yes. Oh, oh, blue. time. I touched it. I touched the ball before it went out, coach. Come on, Alex. The
2: ref did not call that. You gotta be kidding me, Alex. It's the championship game. Talk to him, coach. I touched
0: it. It's their ball. Come on, do it right. Don't foul them when they inbound. Team on three. One, two, three. <clears> two, <throat> How's it going, Alex?
3: Sorry, coach. Alex. Alex.
0: Good call. Sportsmanship. Pass it on. <laughs>
4: I maintain. There's enough men who lie in this town. Cole Komet, live your truth.
3: Be a better actor. Come on, nice job, Mike Rankin. I touched the ball before it went out, Coach. Come on, Alex. The ref did not call that. You gotta be kidding me, Alex. It's the championship game. Talk to him, Coach. I touched it.
2: It's their ball. Come
1: on, it right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I learned it from you. It's the power cords <laughs> dude.
3: And you're like, rise up as he's getting ready to tell the truth and do the right thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like they're, really, they're really going at it. Really. It's like, yeah, do it right.
4: I touched it. they ball Come on, do it right. Winter is here.
3: All right, so when he says, I touched the ball, then we're going to fade up on the lyric, do it right with the guitar riff.
2: That's what it I touched it. they ball That's when it really starts to rock.
3: (laughs) I touched the ball before it went out, coach.
2: Come on, Alex. The ref did not call that. you got to be kidding me, Alex. It's the championship game. Damn it, Alex.
3: (laughs) Messing everything up. What's the
2: matter with you?
3: Snitching ass snitch.
2: (laughs) That's the other PSA. (laughs) From the Snitching Ass Snitch Association. Snitches get stitches, bitches. The more you know. Brought well, he gets us. Just-
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alex, come on, man. Really? You think it might have just kind of grazed, you know, something before it went out of bounds, maybe kind of, sort of? Come on, bro. <laughs> 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 <sighs> <laughs> yeah,
3: were well, we supposed to have ride. like a fairly serious conversation Do it in right this
4: Cleveland yeah <laughs> I'm just gonna let you two talk it out amongst yourselves Cause let's face it We all know that that stadium rendering was Futile Yeah oh, man At least we're talking about something real in this case Well Kind of
3: It's not real it, no, it, it very is far from real.
4: Alex, not touching the ball.
3: Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I thought you meant the rendering of the two point two billion dollar enhancement of Soldier Field. That That's- is going to swoop in and save the day and keep the Bears in Chicago, even though everyone's kind of like, if they want to go to Arlington Heights, let them go to Arlington Heights. Staying
4: with the contract you put earnest money on. Pass it on. So, Dan,
3: while you were out being drunk in Mexico and we applaud you for that, and we all believe that you deserve that opportunity.
4: You a hundred percent did.
3: Layla and I had the last broadcasting moment of Phil Rogers' career.
4: We, yeah, we. It's yeah, I feel guilty too.
3: He retired, and so like his last thing that he worked on was this piece that he did at SoFi. Because Layla and, and the crew over at Channel 5 had brought his they had tricked him and was like, he's got an investigation. And then he came out and his family was there and they were like, happy retirement.
4: Oh, don't put that on me. I was no part of that. They you know were better? There? They didn't know better than to get me in on anything like that.
3: Well, she was there. That's all I'm saying. i would be like,
4: hey, Phil, did you know blah, 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 ruin the surprise?
3: And then, you know, he came in here. He was nice enough. He said he wanted to talk with fans about all of this stuff. And we were like, all right. But we talked with him first. And we had him break down on what he thought about SoFi and how that's all privately funded with SoFi. Then we asked him about current Soldier Field, not the the Candyland fairy tale that is now being pushed with the the author, uh, authoritarian Bill Curtis voice on it. They still are underwater on current. Soldier Field. Take a listen to what Layla and Phil had to say about this.
0: We wanted to see a stadium that was built with private money. and I Because that's sort of where this whole thing is, is headed. There's no appetite whatsoever for public money to build a stadium. Certainly not in Illinois. And especially because of the disastrous deal that was made on Soldier Field uh, now 20 years ago. Uh, when they renovated it and created, you know, what do they call it? It looks like a spaceship crashed into the Parthenon. And when that deal was done, I think a lot of people thought, wow, this is a good deal. It's going to, you know, it's going to be financed with, uh, you know, visitors to the city. It's it's going to be paid off. Uh, wh- what we've shown through numbers we got is it doesn't even, it's worse than ever what, what they did. What type? How bad is it?
4: The numbers that we were given just now by his producer, Shelby. Hi, Shelby.
3: Shout out to Shelby. <laughs> yeah, I used to work with Shelby.
4: And I think this is important for for people like me who maybe moved here after that date, after 2002. It was 399 million in 2002, and they now owe 640 million dollars.
0: Yeah, they owe nearly twice as much as what was originally borrowed. And I think when people hear that, they say, "Well, how is that even possible?" But you know they refinanced the deal a couple of times. It was always going to be backloaded. It's going to end up costing over a billion dollars. What you see there on the lakefront, smallest stadium in the NFL, no parking. It's going to end up costing over a billion dollars when everything is said and done. And remember, that's into the into the early 2030s. So if the Bears leave, you're still paying for it.
2: So yeah. Uh-huh. So, you mean that now this fantasy of connecting all of these unbuilt railroad spurs into stations that would have to be so, so wait, redirected wait, Dan, into this hub?
3: Dan, whiteboard that for people. Like, I, I know what you're talking about. Layla t- knows what you're talking about. But whiteboard that for people so that they understand exactly how remote this is from being even possible.
2: Much of what is that is exciting everybody in that of looking at these various sort of train depots that are in there. You see this station and this platform and this station and that platform. Well, yeah, it's all lovely, but most of those improvements or extensions of the that are presumed there don't exist. Either existed years ago as some some thin possibility, or been completely shot down. It goes back to Jim Edgar talking about some of this. Well, here's here is they're going to connect the Ogilvy Station with with the with
1: I forget, Union with the other, Station. The Union
2: Station. There was another, and then there's another the hub. Magic Station, right? It's all, it's it's literal fantasy where the, the possibilities of this have been explored and then were summarily shut down. There's already, they've, they've done digging already. And I don't know if this is like one of those Elon Musk boring uh, company things, like this horrible Vegas Hyperloop. Like they already had thought, well, let's do this, let's fund this way to get to O'Hare faster. And and that hasn't gotten off the ground or got under the ground yet.
3: Right, the you Block know? 37 stuff. Yes,
2: that station's there, but it's, it's just, Sitting there,
3: correct. So, and it takes you even for, forever, forever, Jerry, forever to get from downtown to O'Hare on the Blue Line. Still,
2: yes, it does. Yes, and and the the other concept that was bothersome was the number of times they talked about their paid for by their corporate partners, and you you're ascending these these gilded escalators into these beautiful lounges where it's not doing anything. For the average football fan and continuing to to striate and create a cast system for every weekend. Even people who are here, I'm gonna give you a couple of tickets. Well, do I have access to this club, that club, or this club where you don't you're not gonna have the even if they were to build it,
3: you don't get to enjoy all the stuff you're seeing in that video. The other part for me, and it's it it's because I have a lot of skepticism in, and as someone who's worked in journalism and as a Chicago resident, I have a lot of cynicism when it comes to the politics of a lot of these things. And this, it, these are the desperate throws of a mayor that wants to not be associated with the fact that she handled this poorly, that she didn't do a good job of not only not securing the Bears, which was going to be impossible because of what's available to them out in Arlington Heights. It was the saber-rattling. It was the, the histrionics. It was her acting as a fan, and not a very well-informed one, by the way, instead of acting as the mayor of Chicago when it came to the negotiations, she thought that she was going to go out here publicly and bully the Bears into staying and then making threats that aren't even possible. Well, we'll just have to take a look at getting another team here in Chicago. You can't. It's a league rule. 75 mile radius. Non starter. And guess who has the veto power to allow a team to come into town? The Bears. And if the Bears were to allow another team to come into town, guess where that team would play? Arlington Heights. In Arlington Heights. So when you see this, when you see that the mayor has been pushing this and it ends up on the news, Oh well, here's a here's an idea that that maybe it can be saved. That the bears can be know that it's all BS. It's pandering at the worst level. It, it is politics at the worst level. Do not fall for it. It is not possible. And because of how poorly this mayor handled this, she is now playing CYA as the election comes up because people. It will be something that other people will use to campaign against her. It won't be the only thing because Lord knows there are other things that people can use. But it will be one of the things that will be able to turn against her as other campaigns try to gain traction. Here's a couple
2: paragraphs from what Chris Jones wrote for the Tribune. It says, In the one central animation, Amtrak and Metra jostle for a free platform with the Shyline. line That's a moniker for the old Central Area Circulator Project, first suggested by the Metropolitan Planning Council. That would be an eight-mile light rail transit network linking the Ogilvy Center Union Station and the Randolph Metro Station with Streeterville, Navy Pier, the museum campus, and the proposed one Central. <laughs> that plan has been around since the 1990s. It was killed by Jim Edgar in 1995 when the former Illinois governor did not appropriate any funding. As you leave your train of choice at One Central, you ascend giant escalators to the most dynamic entertainment experience anywhere on the globe where a concert venue awaits. Then we cross DuSable Lakeshore Drive. We swoop into Soldier Field, pausing to interact with leading corporate brands before ascending to the historic colonnades, assuming we're a member of the right dynamic club. The video suggests the fan amenities at One Central, but mainly up in the rafters of Soldier Field. Look, Soldier Field hosting basketball, year-round concerts, soccer, and outdoor theater for generic arts groups. The Bears will be unmoved because the video does not address who will own this new project. The Bears would want it to be the Bears, but that can't happen since Soldier Field is owned by the Park District. He said, we're all for nice new places to have a drink, listen to music, and watch a show. But the city's historic entertainment venues need attention first. Private developers should build new venues according to market demand and on their own dime. If One Central, as a private development, can help spur better transit and circulation of people from the West Loop to the lakefront, long a huge problem, we're all in for modest cooperation. Right now, the CTA has its hands full, not just with the Red Line extension, but its core business of running safe, reliable trains. Metra still has to figure out when people want to ride its trains and learn how to be something other than a commuter railroad. We've yet to read that plan. Amtrak is taking years just to add a second daily train from Chicago to Minneapolis along an existing track. So the idea that the federally subsidized railroad would prioritize an expansion of regular service to one central over, say, the entire trainless state of Ohio is the stuff of a fantastical sizzle reel with an agenda.
4: At the end of the day, too, it's also about the sports book. The sports book was a non-issue to the city and to the park district. Why the park district would be involved in something with the sports book, I still don't quite understand And that it shouldn't. And the fact that the city didn't want to participate in those discussions was the real fumbling of the bag here. I understand that the city also wants to be involved, but you can't act like you're in competition with the entity that is the reason for the gambling at all. You can't act like that. Like, there shouldn't have been a discussion when it came to Wrigley Field. The reason that we're gambling on teams is because the teams exist. You've got to understand your role here, and it's not to compete with the entity that is the reason for the actual action and value taking place.
3: It, it also is short-sighted, and, and that's why I'm I'm so angry at it. It's very short-sighted. We had Lee Bay on, the, 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 the incredible architectural columnist for the Sun-Times, and he was talking about if the Bears leave, and remember, the Bears are a tenant at Soldier Field for, what, 11 events a year?
4: Maximum.
3: Right until you
4: get a playoff date or two,
3: maybe you get a playoff date, but you 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 have family night or whatever they do that, and then and then you have your games. That piece of property, first of all, is difficult to build on because of all of the landmark status around it, and because of the geography of the city. The other thing is that it can be used in better ways once the Bears are gone, and that that should be the focus. And instead of instead of bringing about like bad feelings and bad connections between the Bears and the city, you should wish them well and and have them go on and do their project and have them spend their money, and hopefully the the residents of Cook County, which Arlington Heights sits in, the residents of Illinois won't have to pay for whatever the Bears want to do up there. But it's so short-sighted to think if the Bears aren't in the city proper that the city doesn't benefit from them. If there are going to be NCAA tournament, college football playoff, a Super Bowl, sure, people are going to go to the game in Arlington Heights, but where are they going to stay, work, and play? Here. That's where it's going to be. That's where anyone, like wherever these stadiums are, they're not hanging out there. People who are, are going to games in, it's in like Santa, Santa Clara. Clara. Exactly. I just say, yeah. They're staying in San Francisco. I mean, it's the, the,
4: everywhere. The fact that we have to have this conversation is hilarious. It, it is hilarious. Because I've grown up with stadiums being built in suburbs and everyone's fine. Exactly. And those stadiums got paid off, by the way. That to me is the main concern here.
3: If the Bears had, were to host a Super Bowl, let's say it's 2032 and the Bears are hosting a Super Bowl. Sure, the parties aren't going to be in Schaumburg. Correct. Well, there'll be some. So that's Schaumburg, Schaumburg. You know that. You know how they get down.
4: But yes, rising tide lifts all boats. But the
3: NFL is going to set up camp here. So it's, it just makes me mad. I'm glad that that Phil did the exhaustive work on it. All I'm going to say to you is this: you, when you see stories about this, when you see video about this, know that it's all PR. It's all an opportunity for this mayor to get under, out under the mess that she created by acting like a meatball fan instead of someone who runs the third largest city in America. Come do
0: it right. Don't foul them when they inbound. Team on three. One, two, three. It How's it going, Alex? Right. Sorry, Coach. Alex? <laughs> Alex. Right. Good call. Sportsmanship. Pass it on. And you're cut. Snitching ass snitch. <laughs> Good call. Don't darken my
2: door again. I've already recruited somebody to replace
1: you.
2: <laughs> do we have time for high noon? I yeah, think we, okay. we got time. All right, I got a quick – I'm, I'm going to save for – we'll f- pick a time for later. I, I I don't have time to do it in the next segment, but this stuff from the the NFL Pro
3: Bowl skills competition is inspired. I would love, but you, love to you're see
4: it. So you're teasing a story that you're not going to do? I'm is that do what's happening? No, no we'll do you know it.
3: what we do? We'll do it at 123. Okay. All right. We'll just swap out what we were going to do at 123.
4: Is that doing it right? Just do it right. I'm to do it right. Ah. Uh. Big Pasta has struck again, and it makes me kind of worried that the future of something we love here in this burg might be in danger. I
3: love it when you call me Big Pasta. Oh, Lord. Back (laughs) after this on the score. Bye. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the
1: palace alone. Yeah, right. When? High noon?
2: Well, we only have a couple of minutes, so we will do a quick version of High Noon Whose
4: here. Whose fault is that? At 11.54. You didn't do it right. Do it
3: right. It's Mine is real quick. Last night, after 15 years and 22 straight defeats, DePaul finally beat Villanova. It had been since 2008 since DePaul had beaten Villanova, and they did it last night.
2: My conclusion, down year for the Villanova program. They're not very
3: good.
4: Yeah, they have a new head coach and everything. Jay Wright's all commentating and stuff. Mm-hmm. Weird. Uh, Dan, yes. you might recall our broadcast where we discussed the great Bucatini shortage the, of the pandemic.
2: Yeah, the conspiracy, the Bucatini conspiracy.
4: Yes, and it was. And Big Pasta had a big player in that. They were a big player.
2: It was Decheco.
4: They crushed a lot. Ronzoni is discontinuing pastina, the little star-shaped pastas, the tiny fun pastas, star shapes. Oh, uh-huh. oh, it's, it's like Campbell's sad. chicken
2: and stars. Where are they going to get their stars from? Man,
4: I don't know because Ronzoni says they've been making this since the early 1900s, I believe. And they said, we hear you and we greatly appreciate your love for Ron Zoni Pastina. But after extensive efforts, wow. we regretfully really announced that it is being discontinued. This wasn't a decision that we wanted to make. Then how does it happen? You're the pasta company.
2: It's sort of in between couscous and orzo, almost.
4: But it's shaped like stars. Little, little happy stars. The company goes back to 1915. So that's, that's where the origins go back to. Although we know pasta has been around for a long time. And then I started thinking, if you're just going to go willy-nilly and just start discontinuing tiny pastas. What's happening to the chopped salads? Won't somebody think about them? This is the gateway decision to canceling chopped salads. That
2: would be Ditalini, right? I
4: don't care. They're all tiny pasta, but yes, you're right. The
2: most used that I can usually remember in salads would be the, the shortcut macaroni, essentially. It's like they took an elbow and cut it into three or four pieces.
4: No, no. It's not. It's not good enough. No. And I understand that, like, the stars are a little different, but if, if this is where it begins, where does it end?
3: At TB Diddlinis.
4: <laughs> I'm still waiting for That's that the place. That's the Italian offshoot? Yes.
2: Yeah, so the, the, you, you don't like regular TB Diddlers? You go down the street, you can get a little Alfredo at TB Diddlinis? Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Why didn't we think of that?
2: Damn it. Like, 15 years too late. Too late. <laughs> now you come up
3: Sorry. With it.
4: Now you. Go. I, I hear they the, got good cannolis there. I was
3: covering the Bears and watching DePaul beat Villanova fifteen years ago. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Nothing <laughs> happened <laughs> between then and now. And that's high noon. I just, I'm kind of sad about this pasta situation. I
2: don't know that I've ever had those little Ditalinis or Ranzoni pastinas.
4: I think I need to get a chopped so salad cute. today.
2: Pastina is Italian for tiny dough.
4: Isn't that adorable? Cute. Won't somebody think of the cuteness? I mean, y'all, y'all stink. Ranzoni. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Ranzoni. you stink, Ronzoni. Yeah. Yeah, Ronzoni.
4: They don't stink. Ronzi's like...
3: name in Italian.
4: <laughs> <sighs> Sad.
2: That's right, Box. <laughs> when we come back, uh let's talk about the reality. Where
4: did that come from? Of, you said Ronzoni.
2: Italian Ranji is Ronzoni. <laughs> Little I cute, didn't even think it's about that. Little,
4: little,
3: cute Raji, yeah, Ron. Ronzoni.
4: First time for everything, I guess. That's right, Fox. You insult Raji, say he's not cute. Yes, he's
2: cute. He's very
3: handsome.